Welcome to Behold and Become, a podcast about faith with me, Robert Black. Welcome to episode 41 of Behold and Become. Today we're considering what Ash Wednesday and Lent are all about. Ash Wednesday, so-called because it always falls on a Wednesday, is the day that ashes are imposed on the foreheads of the faithful, and it's the start of the season of Lent. Perhaps it's easiest to start with Lent, and then we'll look as to why Ash Wednesday is a fitting start to the season. Lent is a 40-day season of preparation that leads up to Easter. Now, how you count those 40 days is sometimes debated. Some liturgical scholars note that every Sunday is a little Easter, and so that the Sundays within Lent don't count as a part of Lent. And you can see this in the names of the Sundays. For example, we call it the first Sunday in Lent, as opposed to the first Sunday of Easter. Now, this doesn't mean that those Sundays are still not Lenten, but Sundays are always celebrations of the resurrection, and so they stand somewhat outside of Lent. Now, another way of counting the 40 days would have the 40th day be Palm Sunday, which makes Holy Week something that stands outside of Lent. And while it's true that Holy Week is distinct from Lent in some ways, it's still very much a part of the season, so, and the counting doesn't work out perfectly either. Now, the name of this season comes from an old English word, Lenten, which means spring season, generally. Now, as you can hear in the word, the idea there is that the days are getting longer or lengthening. So Lent really is not a religious word. It's more about the time of the year in which the season falls. However, in other languages, Lent is referred to with words that are related either to the number 40 for the 40 days or fasting, which is one of the themes of the season. Now, as far as what Lent is all about, I've always found that the proper preface, which is the seasonal bit of the Eucharistic prayer that the priest says towards the beginning of communion, to be a rather full and concise description of Lent. So here it is. You bid your faithful people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast, that, fervent in prayer and in works of mercy, and renewed by your word and sacraments, they may come to the fullness of grace which you have prepared for those who love you. So really, I think that's a pretty outstanding description of the season. So we see that Lent is about cleansing ourselves. The churchy way of saying this is that Lent is a penitential season. Lent is about preparing ourselves for Easter, and a part of that preparation is taking, taking an inward look at the truth that we need a Savior. We do this, though, not to beat ourselves up, but rather as preparation with joy for the Paschal Feast. It's sort of like going to a really fancy dinner at a five-star restaurant to celebrate a special promotion or an anniversary. You're going to get cleaned up and prepared before you go. Well, Lent, in a similar way, prepares us for Easter. The preface then notes that we prepare by fervent prayer— as Lent is a season in which we are more intentional about our spiritual practices and in works of mercy, as serving those in need is just as important as prayer. In fact, they're two sides of the same coin. And we're also renewed, the preface notes, in word and sacrament. By attending church and reading scripture, we are fed by God so that we might come to the fullness of grace, which is seen on Good Friday and Easter morning. 
The liturgical color for the season is purple, which is a penitential color, but also a royal color, as purple dyes used to be quite expensive. It's a reminder that our preparations are not for ourselves. We don't do these things to be better people. Rather, we are preparing to receive more fully our king. Now, at St. Luke's, we also make some liturgical changes in Lent, such as replacing the altar cross with a crucifix and using right one language. Now, we don't do this because older language is in itself penitential, but we do it for two reasons. One is that Lent is a fairly traditional season, and so we hearken to traditional language of the prayer book tradition of which we are inheritors. And the other is that right one does contain some deeply rich language about the reality of sin and our need for God's grace. So it does fit well with the themes of the season as well. Now, as the link between Lent and Ash Wednesday, I want to read the address that comes from the Ash Wednesday liturgy. Dear people of God, the first Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection, and it became the custom of the church to prepare for them by a season of penitence and fasting. This season of Lent provided a time in which converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when those who, because of notorious sins, had been separated from the body of the faithful, were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to the fellowship of the church. Thereby, the whole congregation was put in mind of the message of pardon and absolution set forth in the gospel of our Savior, and of the need which all Christians continually have to renew their repentance and faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, to the observance of a holy Lent, by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word, and, to make a right beginning of repentance, and as a mark of our mortal nature, let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker and Redeemer. So we see in this introduction to Lent that it's picking up those themes, and it brings them to a liturgical focus in Ash Wednesday. Lent prepares us for Easter by the means of purging sin and building up practices of faith. We both examine ourselves and repent, and we also pray fast, and meditate on scripture. So if you're looking for a Lenten discipline, look no further. I'm not really sure how giving up chocolate connects to the death of Jesus. Those are two types of suffering that are not really equal in kind or quantity. Instead, take an honest and hard look at your life and identify where you need to make a fresh start and pray for God to help with that and consider seeking out your priest for sacramental confession and also, read scripture more than you currently do. If you haven't touched your Bible in a while, well, then start small. Just read the Sunday Gospel text a couple of times throughout the week. If you already read the Bible occasionally, try for daily. Maybe read a psalm every day. And if you read the Bible regularly already, then read it differently. Choose a different translation or read it in a more prayerful and intentional way. Read it out loud instead of in your head. Now, the proper liturgy for Ash Wednesday has several parts. Perhaps only Monday, Thursday, and the Easter Vigil manage to pack as many different elements into one liturgy. Ash Wednesday begins fairly normally in comparison to most Sunday Eucharists. And then after the sermon, we have the address that I read above that leads into the blessing and the imposition of ashes. Now, this year, because of the pandemic, we're not going to be able to do that normally. But central to Ash Wednesday is the proclamation that we are dust 
and to the dust we shall return. I'm planning to preach on this aspect of Ash Wednesday this year, so I'm not going to say much about it right now. But to put it bluntly, if we can't be honest about our mortality, then we are living a lie. We will all die. And the more we resist this, the harder life is going to be. The ashes are followed by the recitation of Psalm 51, a lovely and stirring psalm of penitence. The tradition is that this is the prayer that King David offered in repentance for the atrocity that he committed against Bathsheba and Uriah. We then come to the litany of penitence, which names and asks forgiveness for the many ways in which we fall short of righteousness. The priest then assures us, by the grace of God, we are forgiven. And this is an important movement of Ash Wednesday that ought not to be overlooked. We are forgiven and we are saved. Yes, Ash Wednesday names our brokenness and our mortality, but it also names our forgiveness and our salvation in Jesus Christ, which is why the liturgy then moves to the peace and normally to the celebration of the Holy Eucharist. While the prayer book does not mandate that communion follows, it is most appropriate to do so because it presents our forgiveness and our salvation to us in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday then becomes a template for marking the entire season of Lent. The opening collect reminds us that God hates nothing that has been made and forgives those who seek it. We then spend time hearing scripture read and expounded upon in a sermon. We acknowledge our mortality so that we might have faith and trust that our lives are not our own, but rather belong to God. We confess our wrongs and state our intentions to live in newness of life. And then whether we succeed in that new life or not, and we won't because even though we do our best, we're not going to achieve perfection. And yet, we are still invited to come to the banquet of the Lamb and receive the bread of life and the cup of salvation, even if it's spiritual communion during the pandemic. This is the model for all of Lent. It's right there in the Ash Wednesday liturgy. We seek God's mercy, we spend time in scripture, we examine our lives, and we anticipate with joy the victory of Easter. Now, I can't promise you that you're going to have a perfect Lent, but following the example of Ash Wednesday will guide us in having a holy Lent. And I pray that it is one for each of you. Starting next week, I'm going to begin a series on atonement. And if you're not even sure what that word means, great. Be sure to tune in next week for the introductory episode. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And the blessing of God, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen.